Hi, I'm Keith Law, and welcome to episode four of The Keith Law Show. I will be joined in just a moment by Jeff Lance. He is the Senior Director of Communications for Minor League Baseball to talk about the impact of the coronavirus and the various shutdowns on minor league baseball specifically as a business. I do have two new pieces up since the last podcast for subscribers to The Athletic. One was uh, went up over the weekend and looks at the impact of all of this on the draft. The draft scouting season has been cut quite short before even we even got to the halfway point of the college season. And I spoke to a number of executives around baseball who were involved some some fashion in the draft about what they would do now, would they be ready to draft, and what they think we might see going forward in terms of changes to the draft date or if we might see other events to allow teams more of a chance to evaluate players. I also did still rank the top 30 prospects for the draft class as of right now with the understanding that a lot of them lost a good chunk of their spring and that uh, this may have robbed some players of the opportunity to improve their draft stock. There may still be opportunities like that, but the best I could do with the information that we have right now resulted in this top 30 ranking, which I had actually written before we saw all the shutdowns at the end of last week, but understanding we might not see a full season. So uh, I hope all of you will at least take a look at those. Hope that at some point we get to June and maybe teams will still get to select some of these players. And I will be participating in an upcoming project for The Athletic, where many of us are looking back at our favorite baseball video games. I have one in particular. I'm not going to spoil it. Um, that was an absolute favorite of mine as a kid. And I can say when I suggested the name of it, some of the other writers in the thread said, what the heck is that? Which made me even more excited to talk about it. Now, it's my pleasure to be joined by Jeff Lance. He is the Senior Director of Communications for Minor League Baseball to talk to us a little bit about the impact of coronavirus and the various shutdowns on all aspects of minor league baseball. So Jeff, thanks so much for joining me in what is a very unusual time for all of us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, certainly a unique situation, that's for sure. So maybe first just tell our listeners a little bit about how this, you know, what what your timeline was like last week as everyone was kind of scrambling to adjust to changing recommendations and you know, major league baseball as, as well as minor league baseball sort of it seemed like it changed multiple times over the last few days of last week, what your yeah. schedule was going to be like and what you were doing with players who were actually at spring training camps. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, one of the unique aspects of our relationship with major league baseball is that, you know, obviously all the players are their employees. So until the players are sent to our minor league cities, you know, we really don't have a lot to do with them other than, uh, you know, some of our teams will send representatives down to, pass out uh, information on apartments and furniture rental places and things like that. Uh, but really until the guys get to our cities, we really don't have a lot to do with it. So we've been watching from afar, just like all the other fans really, um, and kind of seeing how this thing plays out. Now, obviously our schedule was set to begin on April 9th and, and we had been gearing up for that day. And, and, you know, obviously uh, with the closing of the camps, that's, um, you know, I guess postponed indefinitely until we, you know, until those guys get to spring training camps again and, and get a chance to get themselves in baseball shape, we're just in a holding pattern. So I'm assuming at this point, and I know we're, it's all speculation, but mm -hmm. we're, we're not going to see games until probably well into May, maybe mid-May, maybe even later. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what the impact of that lengthy of a shutdown, regardless of whether it's six or eight weeks, maybe yeah. hopefully not longer, you know, what does that do to a lot of your 
minor league owners losing that much that much time, that much chunk of a chunk of the schedule and all the associated revenues. Yeah. You know, uh back in my previous career, I guess, I was uh with the Iowa Cubs and our my boss there, Sam Burnaby, used to say, Hey gang, we have seventy days a year to make as much money as we can. Mm-hmm. And you know, you get seventy home games and um obviously some teams are able to add to that through concerts and things like that. But, uh, you know, when you're, when you only have 70 days out of the year to make as much money as you can, and you got to probably budget in for two or three rainouts a year, you know, once you get to five or six postponements, that's the difference between, you know, a, a year in the black and a year in the red. And, you know, if you're talking this season's not starting until maybe end of May, early June, these teams are going to be losing, you know, 35, 40% of their home games. So, you know, you're talking uh, a pretty significant hit for a minor league operation. Uh, you know, as, as you know, we don't have the big TV contracts, we, you know, and the, and the things like that that uh, really help the major league teams with their finances. But our minor league owners, you know, really need the gates. You know, they need the the butts in the seats, as they say. And, and, you know, that's the only way that, that, uh, they can bring in any revenue. So this is a huge hit for minor league owners. Um, you know, but obviously it, it pales in comparison to the, the price that society is paying, I guess, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's health first and baseball second. So it is what it is, but it's, it doesn't make it easier for anybody that's running a team or owning a team. Um, you know, like I said, you need every date you possibly can to have to make some money. What about the logistics behind the scenes? And and I feel, feel like this is something a lot of fans don't understand because I certainly didn't until I went to work for a major league organization. But in terms of things like housing arrangements you're making for players or hotel arrangements you're making for all of the road trips that, yeah. you know, that's one of the things the individual teams for listeners who don't know, the individual teams are, are handling that. They don't pay the players. The major league teams pay the players. Yep. But a lot of these little things that matter to the running of a minor league team, those are handled at the minor league level. Sure. So what, what can you, what can you tell us about what are, what are teams do? I assume this blows yeah. a lot of that up. What, what yeah, next? Absolutely. Well, you know, when you just, we'll just start with hotels. You know, if you're uh, a triple a team and you're in a market, say you're in Nashville and you know, that's a booming city with, you know, pretty expensive hotel scene. And, and that team is paying, you know, a hundred and forty dollars a night for the for the visiting team to come in and stay there. You you sign a contract for, you know, we need with off days and everything in there. We need seventy four nights a year with twenty two rooms at that special rate of one hundred and forty dollars a night. Well, if you can only give them forty room nights, you're not going to get that one hundred and forty dollar rate anymore because they'll sell <laughs> they can sell those rooms in Nashville for. 250, 300 a night. So, uh, you know, there's, there's concerns over breaking contracts for hotels. Um, you know, the lower level bus leagues, uh, you know, if you're going to get a certain rate when you're renting a, a bus for a four day trip to, from Fort Wayne to Cedar Rapids or something, you know, you, you got a, you have a contract that's, you know, that, that rate is based on a certain number of days you're traveling. Well, shorter season means you're not going to, meet the uh you know the the arrangement that was made on the contract so 
there's a lot of things that a lot of people are really worried about now and and you know it's it's nothing you can do anything about at this point but it's uh it's definitely a concern and does the same apply to the i know most of the plane travel airplane travel is at the AAA level particularly mm-hmm. the pcl just because it's spread out sure. i don't know i actually don't know how those contracts work if you have contracts with commercial airlines or they do they do well, some charter no not many teams charter um the only time i really heard much about that is during the playoffs when the teams can share the cost of one plane uh, mm, sure it's been done but uh yeah i mean it's i think there a lot of teams are probably catching a break quite frankly with the uh airlines you know not charging for um uh, change fees for changing flights you know for now for the next eight weeks or what what have you uh because otherwise they might have to eat those plane tickets and that's <laughs> that's a huge hit financially because like you said our guys, our teams pay for the travel. They pay for a handful of things. You know, obviously the major league teams pay for salaries, but um, you know, some a lot of the stuff that you might not be able to get a refund on is stuff that the minor <laughs> league teams are paying for. Um, so that that's a it's another consideration that everybody's looking at right now and trying to find ways to, you know, you can't even open your stadium and host college games anymore because there's no college games. Uh, right. You know, it's just, uh, and quite frankly, you can't have any concerts right now. But it's, uh, it's just a crazy situation. It's I, there's no playbook for it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. nobody's gone through this before, and I, I think we'll see a lot of new uh, guides and, and rules and contracts put into place because of this. Are you hearing, uh, in terms of minor league players who are, or are or have been? at spring training sites. Cause really everyone was supposed to have reported by, yeah. I think the middle of last week, yep. uh, have a lot of players. Are they staying? Are they staying in their at their sites? Are they heading home? Is it, cause it seems to me what I'm hearing anecdotally is that it's kind of team by team, what they're asking players to do. Yeah, I think it is a team by team. I, I haven't heard anything definitive, but you know, you, you think, uh, you know, we're down here in Florida and I think to Fort Myers, you know, the Minnesota twins have a huge, dormitory setup same thing with Bradenton the Pirates you know you, so you've got you know 100 plus minor leaguers living in a dorm situation is that safe you know do you put those guys are they in more danger being there or being sent home to wherever they're from uh, it's just uh I, I don't know if there's I don't think there's any real set policy on that I mean obviously nobody's ever had to do this before so it's a it's a team by team uh, situation, I guess. One uh, issue that had occurred to me just within the last twenty four hours, mm-hmm. and I don't know that we have any answers. Obviously, there's a player in the Yankee system who did test positive for coronavirus, mm-hmm. who is Cuban, and I assume is here on some sort of visa too. Mm-hmm. It has has this issue, and he's obviously not going to be the last player to test positive, and sure. probably we're and obviously minor league baseball depends on its players who are here on visas. Mm-hmm. Have has any of that come up? And you're probably just starting these discussions, but it, it it just occurred to me that this is yet another issue that we have to deal with. They're here on visas; they're not actually working because there's no work for them. Just like there are issues yeah. with students who foreign students here who are here on visas. Um, because, and don't have classes to go to. So are they, 
technically still allowed to stay here. I, I don't know. Have you, have you guys started any of those discussions or considered what how to help those players so that yeah. they're at least able to stay here while we wait for the season to start again? Right. You know, and again, it, it goes back to um, employee-employer relationship between the player and the major league team. We don't really have anything to do with that, so we haven't had to really address that situation, but mm-hmm. there certainly is a question there. You know, if you're here on a work visa, but you're not working, how long can you stay? Right. Uh, you know, that, that's a great question. And uh, I'm sure, you know, these, I don't know if it's a, a time frame where those visas for foreign-born players allow them to be here from middle of February through the end of September, regardless of situation. I mean, I guess if you're hurt, would that be the same? You're not playing, you're rehabbing, right. but, um, you know, I, 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 that's a good question. I'm not sure, uh, what the answer would be to that. Right. It's it, like I said, I hadn't even thought about it until mm-hmm. yesterday and yeah. we saw that Cuban player and, and I don't know if the Yankees have a dormitory set up like you're describing. I know Cleveland out in Arizona, they have a setup like that, which yeah. actually up until two weeks ago, and I, I would have always said, what a great thing. Now the players don't have to worry no, yeah. about housing. They're right yeah. there on campus. You yep. also maybe make sure they're not getting into trouble. Yep. They're right there. This is a win for everybody. Now all of a sudden, <laughs> oh my God, dormitories. That's the that's the worst idea. Why right. did you ever think of this? Right. Yeah. It's uh you know, I guess it'd be like your college frat house, right? It's uh probably a pretty dangerous place to be when there's a uh a bug going around like this. But yeah, it's uh the the, the dormitory setup you know, I've been through the ones in in Bradenton with the Pirates and Fort Myers with the Twins, and yeah, they're they're a fantastic setup. You know, you got you get a chance for basically guys are living at the office, right? And they've got a workout facility, they got cages, they can they can do whatever they want, baseball related, and and yeah, you keep them in at night. They're not out running around doing stupid stuff at night and you know you got a pretty good idea where they are and what they're up to and and you know the twins one has uh classrooms for spanish-speaking players to learn english and english players english-speaking players to learn spanish it's a really great setup um but yeah once when something like this happens it's <laughs> it has the opposite effect i suppose i don't know if you saw the the column i wrote over the weekend about how this might affect the draft mm-hmm. had a a comment I thought was really interesting from a vice president from who's who has previously worked as a scouting director as well. He said maybe we do the draft earlier and try to get all these players out to short season leagues as soon as possible. Now I don't I guess I don't know if it would be possible for those leagues to start earlier. You know, they typically start what around June twentieth or so, give it yeah. take a few days. But could you see that? Initially I was thinking no, because you know, we have a lot of teams that share ballparks mm-hmm. with, with colleges. The short season teams share ballparks with colleges. Well, now the colleges aren't playing either, so right. I guess those ballparks are available. Um, I guess my my initial thought would be how many of those players would be interested in returning to college if they get an uh, uh, NCAA, you know, gives them another year of eligibility. Obviously, a lot of the baseball players that are going to leave early are going to leave as, after their junior years anyways, but... Um, you could do the draft earlier this year, but uh, it's a, it's a tough one because there's, sure. there's not, uh, they're not able to scout these guys right now. Right. Right. You know, it's, uh, there's just so many crazy things that are affected by this and the draft is one of them. You know, there's, 
what do these scouts have? Three weeks here to to watch players play this spring. Yeah, they you know, they with four weekends of college baseball before the shutdown. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I'd be a little hesitant to give somebody <laughs> seven eight million dollars when I only <laughs> you know I you have obviously their previous years that you've been scouting them, but who knows? It's uh, I suppose you could play short season right away, but um, you know that whole draft process and. Then you got to give them time to negotiate and sign, and uh, man, it's uh, there's a lot that goes into that process as well. So, right, but yeah, I mean, I suppose you could move up the draft. It's not like anybody's going to get any more information on a player that they don't already have. Right. The last question I have for you is the one I hate to say silver lining, but one one potentially positive outcome is so say that that say that we managed to draft more or less on time in the short season leagues are able to start at their regular date, even if everything else is pushed out, we might get a full summer of Spencer Torkelson or Austin Martin. Those guys often don't sure. play that much. A lot of those pitchers, I mean, yeah. I don't know how much you guys have talked about this internally, but the best pitchers in the spring often don't pitch over the summer, or barely pitch over the summer. Now yeah. they might, um, they might, yeah, they want, you know, if a guy's thrown 140 innings for Arizona state, right. And then he takes a month off. You don't want him to, fire it back up for another two months of a short season league, you, you know, you probably monitor his innings and let him go at it again the next spring. But now those guys have only thrown 20, 25 innings maybe. So yep. they should be good to go in the summer. So yeah, it, uh, <laughs> fans might get a, a lot longer look at, at some of those real premium prospects, you know, once they, if they do do the draft and, and we can start short season ball on time, you I would suspect that, yeah, you'd probably see a lot of those guys that you know they're going to sign, so mm-hmm. might as well sign now and go. Well, if they do, I will certainly be out there. I'm a, I'm a regular yeah. at the Aberdeen Ironbirds ballpark. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. right down the highway and is a great place to watch a baseball game. Yeah, it's game. pretty fun. It's, uh, it's quite a complex they've got there with the Little League fields there yeah. and the door, and, and that ballpark itself is really nice and you know, right on the highway. It's a good setting there. Yep. I just want them to bring back the crab shack. There used to be a crab shack <laughs> down the right field line. Now it is more of a beer garden, which is great. Yeah. I can't partake of that when I'm actually at work, but I can right. eat a crab cake. I hear you. Yeah. The, the first time I went to Aberdeen, it was some kind of crab night and Ooh. I wasn't a big crab guy at the time. And so I, I didn't really see what all the hoopla was about. <laughs> but now that I've gotten used to crab and like it i was like man i need to go back for that one right yes <laughs> that's a great draw it's a great it's a it gorgeous is, yeah. park baseball yep. is often pretty good and crab yep. cakes yep, yep that's all absolutely. i need absolutely yep Excellent. jeff lance is the senior director of communications for minor league baseball and he was kind enough to join me in the in the middle of what has been a again a highly busy and unusual week jeff thank you so much for sharing your time and your thoughts with us thank you keith anytime Top performers in business and sports often attribute their success to their morning routine, whether it's waking up early, setting their goals for the day, exercise, or meditation. But not everyone has the time to do it all. With Hydrant, you can jumpstart your mornings. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs, sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc, to help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research developed to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There are no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. 
And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com. That's D-R-I-N-K-H-Y-D-R-A-N-T.com and enter promo code Keith, K-E-I-T-H, people. It's E-I, not I-E, at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code Keith, K-E-I-T-H, or 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code Keith. Put out a call on Twitter on Monday for folks to send in questions for me to answer in a mailbag. I'll try to do this most weeks, maybe not necessarily every week. Kind of depends on how long my guest interviews run. Uh, but we have a lot of great questions today. Obviously, everyone's home and looking at Twitter all the time, which is probably not the greatest thing for our mental health, but here we are. First is from Amanda R. Tubbs. Uh, if you could cast the Great British Bake Off with MLB players, who would you pick and why? I, I thought that was fun. I could probably spend about 10 minutes answering that, but I threw a few answers down. Um, Mike Trout, because he will be exceedingly polite, like everybody is on GBBO, and because he will be shockingly good at it, right? He will absolutely turn out the perfect milfoy or Paul will come up with some pastry that nobody's actually made since the 1700s, and Trout will make one that's perfect. I thought uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. because he also has so much flair to his game. You could actually say this about a number of players. He was just the one who happened to come to mind too because his hands are so quick. I feel like that might make him more entertaining to watch even though he might be the guy who in episode four makes one significant mistake that knocks him out way too early and everyone says, I can't believe he didn't make it to the finals. And I also thought Bryce Harper would be perfect because he will finish in second and everyone will say what a disappointment he was because that just seems to be how we treat Bryce Harper. I am open to other suggestions, so feel free to respond on Twitter if you think of other players uh, that I should have included but didn't. I did think sort of Max Scherzer might be kind of fun, mostly because of the intensity. Like I could see how angry he would be if he made if he put in a quarter of a teaspoon of salt when he was supposed to put in an eighth. Next question is from Julian Shepard at JX Shepard on Twitter. At this point, I think the most optimistic start date for the season is July 4th or the All-Star break. What do you think is the likely date at which they call the season entirely? I think if we get to the end of June, yeah, probably around the midpoint, right? We could play half a season. It would be um, – saying suboptimal feels even to trivialize the whole thing. It doesn't really matter, right? Is It, it – at that point, if we're going that far and we're still under some kind of shelter-in-place type order, uh, we have bigger issues than whether we get back to the baseball season. Uh, Major League Baseball has said it's not going to be at least until mid-May. I'm kind of hopeful we get back to that point around June 1st if people start taking this seriously, right? That is the whole thing. If you followed in Italy, and I have cousins in Italy, one of whom is a doctor, uh, two of whom are doctors actually, and so I've talked to them a little bit. And it does seem like when people started taking this seriously and practicing real social distancing and, and isolation in the hot zone in the north of the, north of the country, it slowed the spread of new cases. If the United States, if citizens do that and stop doing what the governor of Oklahoma did, which is posting a photo of himself out in a busy restaurant and bragging about it, um, that, yeah, then maybe we'll get there into June 1st or so. I think if we get to the all-star break – that's the point where they might just cancel the season. If we get to the all-star break and we haven't resumed or set a firm date for the resumption of the season, I could see that. The playoffs are pretty lucrative, though. I think MLB is probably going to try to play any – if they have to play a 70-game season, they probably still do it to get a playoffs and so that there would be content for the networks who are willing to pay for it. Uh, Johnny Fitz, Johnny underscore Fitz at Twitter asks, what are some of the biggest mm -hmm. obstacles or challenges you foresee should the season start after June or not at all? Service time, 
contract in- incentives, et cetera. Well, contract incentives that are based on you know, games played and, and games finished are essentially out the window right now. Uh, my understanding is the, the players are still, the major league players still get paid. Their money is essentially guaranteed. Um, there is a clause. I, 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 Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellich did write about this. There is a sort of a, an emergency clause that would allow Major League Baseball to suddenly not pay players and to not play sta- pay staffers, by the way. They could suddenly say, well, we're not paying scouts because we're in a national emergency. The clause is in all contracts. Player contracts and the non-uniform player contracts all have the same clause. Nobody's actually talking about them doing that, and I can only imagine if they do that to the players, then we're not going to play it all this season because I could absolutely see the players walking out in that case. Um, I do think of all the things that Johnny mentioned here and a couple other people asked the same questions, sort of handling service time might be the biggest one of all. Of course, the union is going to want to receive full service time, and Major League Baseball owners may say, look, we we understand we're going to have to pay you however you – you know, we don't want to give you a full year of service when you didn't actually play. Um, that to me, at least they have more of a philosophical argument. Uh, I, I'm not, I don't want to go so far as saying right or wrong. I don't think it's that simple, but that's something I could see coming up in then a CBA negotiation after the fact to say, can we compromise on some aspect of this where players get, you know, half a season of service time instead of a full season, something like that. Obviously the union would oppose. There'd be a back and forth. I'm just saying, don't be surprised if that becomes a topic of negotiation there. Uh, John Bex13 asks, what kind of impact do you think the NCAA giving another year to seniors will have on the draft? I imagine a senior sign is some more leverage now in those top 10 rounds. No? Maybe. The thing with seniors, in addition to them having no leverage and therefore they would sign for you know 5000 or less, it's also their age really works against them. So if you're 22, if you go back to be a fifth-year senior who has the extra year of eligibility, you're probably 23. And teams just don't value those players very highly. You'd have to be absolutely exceptional to uh, make more money or, or even sort of hold serve as a 23-year-old senior. So I would say it's marginal. I don't think it's going to help them very much. It may help players like, you know, I think of JT Ginn, who's ever, who was already out for the spring, right? He was hurt. He had elbow surgery. Cole Wilcox, guys who were draft-eligible sophomores because of age especially, Um Having that extra year, you know, they have so much leverage as draft eligible sophomores. Why well, I can go back in the draft two more times. Maybe they get a little bit of that back. And because they're pitchers and we're less concerned about the age for pitchers than we are for position players. Uh, on that same subject, Mac Abe 13, can we expect your redraft of 2010 and the accompanying misses, the latter being my favorite, in May? Yes, I would plan to do that. I would like to continue doing that. We'll see. Obviously, it depends on how much coronavirus in the season not starting affects the overall schedule at The Athletic. But that's the kind of piece I can do even if they're not playing games, which makes me sort of very inclined to do it. Uh, Sabir Aden asks, what young sports journalists do in high school? What should they do in high school to get ready? What's the blueprint? How do you get your big break? Uh, there's no straightforward answer to that. Um and certainly getting your big break in any business, and this is particularly true in sports, it, it may often be as much about who you know as what you know. But the two biggest pieces of advice I can give anybody who wants to be a writer of any sort, and that includes a sport writer, first of all, you you, you cannot be a great writer unless you're a great reader. You must read. It, it doesn't even necessarily matter what you read. You don't have to be reading sports writing, but you have to read to hone your craft, to learn your voice, and to see how other people use the language to express different thoughts in entirely different ways. And second is is to write. You must write a lot and solicit feedback as much as you can from people you admire, from people in your circle, from your teachers or professors, uh, even peers. Any way that you can get feedback on your writing, 
because nobody's you're not born a good writer. Nobody's born a good writer. Your writers are made, and you need to go through that feedback process and understand. Probably the first things you write are just not going to be very good. We all went through that, um, and we all get. But those of us who are professional writers, most of us got better at writers. I, I suppose some of us never got better at writers. I would like to think I'm in the former category. And last question from Nick A. Welch. I had to slip a board game question in here. Uh, Keith, wondering what your thoughts were on Gaia Project. Was a big fan of Terra Mystica and just picked up the game. Have you gotten a chance to play it? I actually have not played Gaia Project. I am in the minority. I don't like Terra Mystica. People, hardcore gamers, love that board game. I think that game is just sort of a bridge too far for me. My tastes in board games sort of fall one level short in terms of the complexity level of that. Um Terra Mystic is not quite as bad as A Feast for Odin, which those of you who follow my board game writing know, I think Feast for Odin, which people also really like, is one of the most ridiculous board games I've ever played in my life, maybe the most. The 200 teeny tiny cardboard pieces kind of sent me over the edge. Um, I do like some complex games, and certainly like the game of the Taverns, Taverns of Tiefenthal, which was one of my favorite games of last year, Wingspan, which was my number one game of last year. Those are not simple games, but they take under an hour to play, and once you understand the rhythm of the game you can replay them quite easily it's not like you're relearning the game every single time and i did find with terra mystica it was kind of too long too steep of a learning curve even when i tried to play on the app it's like nope this game just isn't for me this is this is a good game for somebody else well that's all for the keith law show this week i'm keith law thank you so much for listening if you enjoy the show please subscribe please leave us a five-star rating on itunes i believe we are now on the google play podcast store uh, we're definitely on spotify uh, anywhere you leave us a rating and subscribe it obviously helps spread word about the podcast my one closing message to everyone this week is stay home please if you can stay home um, i know it's not possible for everybody but if you have uh, that possibility if that is open to you stay in as much as possible i am staying here other than if i have to go get more food for the house i do not plan to do anything where there might be other people for probably for the next two weeks or so. The only way we're going to stop this thing is if we all take it seriously and listen to the CDC and other authorities who are asking us to avoid gathering as much as possible. I don't like it any more than anybody else does, but I will say I have a lot of food in the house and something like 220 board games here. So hopefully you're similarly situated. And if you are, please stay in so we can get through this and maybe get baseball back on the field sooner rather than later. Thanks again. 